Hi, welcome to Conversations with Sammy. I am your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe in the miraculous impact of a powerful storytelling. And right here is where I invite everyday people like you and I to share their real, raw, and unedited journeys. In our conversations, we express our feelings, we celebrate our struggles, we share our visions, and together we aim to live a more fulfilling life. In this conversation, I speak with Chrissy McManaman, historically an extrovert who didn't feel enough. In the last few years, she quit her corporate job to travel the world for a year, uncovering her true passions. She faced deep fears of speaking her own story on stage. She started her business in coaching other women how to step up their game. And Chrissy is just getting started. We discuss the challenges of moving through fear, the power of serving people, and the importance of quiet and stillness. Enjoy. Hey, Chrissy. Hello. Hi, you're here. All right, we're on. Great. Sounds better. Sounds, good. Sounds so much better. Awesome. How are you today? I am pretty good. Yeah, you know, one day at a time. <laughs> one hour at a time. I love that. That that's my slogan. One sometimes one moment at a time. That's what it takes for exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly. So what are you up to uh in this pandemic time? Well, I it was a little difficult in the early days, honestly. I kind of didn't know what I would be up to because I was starting my own business right beforehand and everything hit and I kind of lost myself there for a few days and was like, ah, how do I spend time? What do I do? I want to change the world and save the world from my couch, but like, I can't. <laughs> and, and that brings me, you know, trying to kind of save everybody else, but not giving myself what I needed in those first few days. And then over the course of um, days and weeks, I started to do more things that like really fed me. And in doing more things that fed me, I was able to continue to put more stuff out into the world. So in the early days, I like started this daily dance uh, party that I do mm-hmm. uh, every weekday at noon um, because I realized that I wasn't getting sort of my needs of safety and security by having people around me met. And so I really wanted to be in a space where I could be with people, but not have mm-hmm. to like have a conversation or a face-to-face. And so I've always loved to dance. So I did that. And now I've started creating some workshops that I'm putting out into the world and just doing more of what brings me joy, what brings me joy and energy. And I, in doing so, I feel like I'm also bringing joy and energy to others, which is super cool, super cool. And uh, so it's been fun um, once I've gotten in, into the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally relate because my first response when I got all this time to myself um, during this lockdown is that how do I do more? How do I mm-hmm. produce more? How do I create more? I need I need to do this for others, others, others. And, you know, the world was on my mind rather than myself. Yeah. And then this month in particular, May has been holy, holy, holy. I don't know what to add to the holy, but it's just been phenomenal. And it's like another level of getting to know my mind and myself. And it's just, I'm loving it. So I kind of got jumped on the train of, I don't know, life flow, I feel like. And I'm just cruising now instead of running like a a maniac, you know, trying to do and and, and create all the time. Um, Awesome. I think... um, this is this is a good good starter um, because the belief that's driving and we both know behind is like we gotta we gotta perform to matter and all that jazz. Um, yeah. But I want to jump in really quick. I like to start a conversation just to um, tell the listeners how I know you and why I ask you to speak. So I met you January two thousand eighteen, I believe, um, and this mm-hmm. awesome program that we were both in, uh, emotional intelligence, a yearly, one-year um, life coaching, which literally shattered my belief system mm-hmm. into pieces for the better. Um, that's where everything began for me. Yeah. Um, and so you were there. And, you know, I'm so grateful 
to have the honor to have seen you, you know, transform and make the jumps that you did in your life. And um, I wanted to ask you to share some of that with, with me and my peeps who will be listening to this later. Yeah. Well, it has been, yeah, an adventure. I mean, two years, just over two years since we started that program, but I feel like I went into the program really not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I felt kind of purposeless. I felt like I had so much more to give to the world, to myself, but I was stuck. Uh, and I had a lot of beliefs about myself that I have come to uncover over the course of the last two years that really didn't serve me. Things like, I just realized that I really believed that if I were to be my true radiant self, that I would be too much for the world. And people who I loved would think I was too much. And if I'm already this much the way that I am now, if I truly am who I am, you know, I won't be able, people won't ha- be able to handle me. But then at the same time, there was this underlying belief of that I'm never enough. So, you know, I got to this, the program and I was doing everything. I was, you know, helping two different nonprofits in my free time. I just moved to Chicago from New York to be with my now husband. I um, was doing, 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 going to every networking event, meeting all of the people and I, you know, hosting dinner parties, event after event after event. I was busy every single night of the week, practically. And that had been going on for years. And it was only realizing like, wow, I'm doing all of this stuff, like you said, to matter. Um, But I didn't really feel like I mattered to myself. I wasn't actually doing things that nourished me. Like even the parties, I'm I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love connecting with people. But what I started to realize was like, I'm throwing these parties and I'm spending all of this time and energy and even money. But when it comes to the end of the night, I never feel like I've connected with anybody because there were too many people. I was too focused on like hosting, but not actually hosting myself. So I was like helping everybody with their drinks and their food and this, that, and the other thing, but I wasn't getting what I needed and wanted out of those out of those, you know, events. And so it was just like moment after moment after moment of realizing, my gosh, I have to start to put more of myself out in the world, the way that I truly am, and to start to disentangle myself from these beliefs that did not serve me that 100% came from, you know, the way I was raised, my childhood, being an only child with parents who expected a lot and feeling really like I wasn't seen or understood for me. Like I had to be a certain way to be seen and understood and acknowledged. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster of uh, the last few years, but I feel like finally now I'm actually starting to put all this stuff out in the world from a very authentic place. Yeah. I, I relate. I actually did not know, or maybe I didn't forgot that you are an only child. And so am I. And, um, and your parents are from Finland, correct? My mom is from Finland. My mom, mom. Finland, my dad is American, but grew up all over the world. Cool. Awesome. And um, yeah, so we're some European blood in both of us. <laughs> and um, so now you're, you're doing quite different things when it comes to jobs, careers, and just community and service before um, you started doing it. So what um, I want to ask, what were you doing before, let's say, when you joined the program and what were you going after what, what were your goals um and then what happened you you were yeah. looking for some way out sounds like yeah most of my career has been in marketing and communications and mm-hmm. you know I kind of went from job to job never really knowing what I was going for I even remember my second job interview out of college you know you're always asked well, where do you see yourself in five years and I just remember mm-hmm. saying honestly I don't know where I see myself in five years, but I know that when I take on an opportunity, I will give it my all and see where it goes. And that was great. In some ways, that mentality was great, except for the fact that I was constantly in reactivity mode. I would accept something, not because it was 100% right for me, but because 
I thought, well, I'll make the most of it and learn something, which is, which is actually kind of a great way to go about things. Except like there came a point where I was like, wait, what is this all for? Where do I want this to lead? Who I want, who do I want to be? And I started to realize that the opportunities that I had been continuing to pursue were not in true alignment or helping me nurture my gifts. I was constantly seeking out things to learn and grow in the ways that I felt I was deficient. So I was like, I got to learn the finances. I got to learn, you know, the length, like the, the finance language. And I have to learn investment management. And I have to learn all of this like very jargony stuff and, and make it easy for people to understand as opposed to going and being like, okay, what, what am I actually good at? And what do I actually want more of in my life? And so I think over the course of the, um, the year of more that we did together, I started to realize how much anger I had in my current role, how much sadness and how much fear I had. Like, I was just so scared of doing anything different than what I had done, which was a lot of content and marketing and brand stuff. And I was resentful of the CEO. And I was resentful of the fact that for 10 years, I had been writing for all of these privileged white men. You know, it was sort of my voice, my writing, but their signatures, my voice, um, their photos. I'd been writing for everybody else and kind of lost my voice in the process or felt like I'd lost my voice in the process. And so I just had so much anger around that. And, you know, I actually had, because of the the year that we did together, I had some really open and honest conversations with, with my then boss, CEO, that I never would have had, had I not done the year. And we, you know, he and I were very different people, but we worked incredibly well together. And because I was open and honest, he was open and honest back to me, you know, and even when I was finally like, you know what, I'm actually going to leave and travel the world for a year. Even those conversations were just full of nourishment and joy and connection because he knew that there was something that like this organization couldn't provide me in this moment. And also knew that like this was an incredible working relationship and that there was probably opportunity for us to work together again at some point. And so I kind of took everything I'd been learning and was like, you know what, for years I've been wanting to go travel the world, but never enough time, never enough money. Always thought I had to be working my way up the corporate ladder. And finally I was like, screw it, let's do this. And my husband and I left. And uh, we spent four months traveling together and then he came back to Chicago and I kept traveling for six months and had life-altering experiences. Wow. Did that idea came to you while you were in the year or it was planned before? Well, I had wanted to do it since, since college, honestly, since graduating college. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I didn't have any money back then. And I wanted to do it after I quit my first job, but I had made very little money in my first job out of college. And then I had wanted to do it again right before business school. Um, But my employer at the time convinced me to stay almost through the entire summer um, instead of, you know, leaving in May to go to take a few months and do it. So I just like, there were several points in time that I was like, this is going to be the time that I do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think I was too scared, too scared of spending the money, too scared of just doing it. And this time my husband is, he, this has never been something that he's been super jazzed or, you know, it was never something that he had thought a lot about, but honestly, he was the one who pulled the trigger and he, he flipped the, he flipped the mindset from opting in to having to opt out. So he bought us plane tickets and we had 24 hours to cancel. Wow. And we didn't cancel. So, <laughs> yeah, wow, what a courageous move. I mean, so you literally informed your boss you're leaving, and did your husband did the same thing on his end with the job he had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So we told he took a sabbatical, but then eventually left. And then I, um, you know, the, my boss had said, leave for two months and come back and take another role with us. And I just said, I, ha- I got to. I got to take it day by day. I don't know if I can commit to that. 
And so we both left three months after the day he purchased those plane tickets. We packaged up our entire uh, lives into a storage facility, took a backpack each mm-hmm. and, uh, and left for, for first French Polynesia then the New Zealand. We spent um, a month in New Zealand, two months in New Zealand, a month in Australia, a month in Bali. Wow. And then I kind of continued to make my way back to, to Europe. Um, and, and the, here's the thing, right. As I think, I remember someone saying to me, well, you know, you're just escaping with this trip. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of it that way. And, and I was working with a coach at the time and we worked very hard to create a system so that we would get what we wanted out of this trip. Mm-hmm. And it actually started this amazing journey of my husband and I working on our growth and development together. Because at the very beginning of the trip, we created visions for the trip and what we wanted to get out of it and who we wanted to be during it. And I created my own and he created his own and we created some for us together as a couple. Mm. And we check in, we checked in every single week to see where we living our visions. And one of my early ones was that I'm a storyteller who uses my voice to make a difference. And so every week we would say, okay, let me think about the times where I told my story or listened intently to someone else's story. And he would check in on the things that he was working on. And we still do this every week. We just did it yesterday. Wow. With That's... new visions, things that, you know, ways in which we've grown and evolved. But I have to tell you, like this vision of me being a storyteller, can I, can I tell you this quick story Absolutely. of like how it all ended up? Because it was just like, I had never given, I had never visioned for my life. Like I said, I'd been in reactive mode. Like I'll make the best out of this. I'll make the best out of that. But this gave me something to look forward to and to create in my travels. And so we're in Bali. We've been traveling together for four months. My husband ended up taking this incredible opportunity to serve the new mayor of the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had met this gentleman um, at a program I had done. And he had said, hey, look, I run these entrepreneur and residence programs in like six countries around the world. So if you want to come and spend a month somewhere, work with entrepreneurs, we give free housing, you know, free um, plane flights. And I was like, sweet. So a few days before the call, I was like, you know what? My LinkedIn profile does not does not represent who I want to be or who I am right now. So I actually went and I changed my entire LinkedIn profile to really represent this sort of storyteller version of myself. I didn't want to go there and like help everybody with their marketing. I wanted to do it from like this different place. I changed my picture from like this corporate picture to like one of me in the streets of Bali. I changed my headline to like storyteller, explorer, coach. You know, I made all of these changes and this is what happened. We get on the phone call and the first thing he says to me is, we need storytelling help so badly here. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I could do a workshop on storytelling. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah. So I get to, you know, two months later, I get to Albania and I end up giving a storytelling workshop to the team of 15, 20 people from Albania, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, um, uh, North Macedonia, Vietnam and Peru. And then from there, one of the Serbian women was like, this workshop come to Serbia and deliver it to these 20 female entrepreneurs in Serbia. And I did. Wow. And like, none of that would have happened. I truly believe none of that would have happened if I hadn't gone into these travels with this vision that I'm a storyteller who uses my voice to make a difference. That's exactly what I ended up, did it over and over again. I, I also did um, a speaking engagement in Portugal. I did other workshops in, in, um, in various places and that it it wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't have. And the power of vision and visioning for your life is like freaking unbelievable. Oh my gosh. I'm like literally goosebumps every time you, yeah, this is amazing. And so you, you're speaking in all of these different countries and what story were you telling? What, what was your speech about? Yeah. So it was actually, it was more of a workshop on how to help other people 
tell compelling stories. Okay. And actually I forgot what part of the story. So I get to France. Um, This is before any of the workshops start happening. I get to France Mm -hmm. and I'm spending three weeks with my mom in France before I go to Albania. She gives me a book and it's called the storyteller's secret. (laughs) Like you can't, (laughs) you can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. She hands me this book. She's like, well, you've been talking about storytelling. So here's this book. And I have to say like, I can't remember the, um, the author right now, but it's a great book. It goes chapter by chapter, goes through some of the great storytellers of our time, you know, Churchill, Oprah. Um, I think it has like, um, oh gosh, um, just uh, these incredible storytellers and how they told their story. So I actually crafted a workshop that took some meditative elements, um, you know, I've been meditating for years, took some of the things that I read about in the, in this book, took some of the things that I had learned in my year of more with right and pulled them all together into this three hour workshop where it started really with how, what makes a good story. And I didn't tell them what made a good story. I asked them to tell me, we all know what makes a good story. Right. And then we went into, okay, well now you all know that you know what makes a good story. So now let's apply that to some of the stories in your organization. How do we tell the incredible stories of the entrepreneurs that you work with and the, you know, the startup ecosystems that you're trying to build? You know, these are very early stage startup ecosystems in, in the Balkans and in Vietnam and Peru. How do we tell these wow. stories in a powerful way that resonates with people now that we know what makes a good story? And so then we kind of each of the teams um, from the different countries then worked on a story and they each told it at the end of the workshop. So it was very hands-on. It wasn't just me presenting. It was, and that's the kind of thing I love to do is making it very interactive, very engaging. um, And where people are really coming up to, you know, coming up with, um, with the story, with the end result by themselves guided by me. Wow, this is actually a, a very informative infor- uh, information for me, um, as I consider myself somewhat of a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and really during that year that we were both in, um, it's like I was giving a permission to finally speak about my hurts, my pains, and, and my joys. You know, I, this that's where I learn at the right foundation to speak and without um, without really hiding and minimizing. And so what if other people don't want to hear it? People can choose what to hear. But it's like I got the permission to speak my voice, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is. So it was a really powerful. And really ever since then, 2018, I started writing little by little. And and um, I keep doing it with, with great joy and seeing um, what people – reach out to me and really reconnecting with many women, especially from my past. And yeah, well, I, have new to, connections. I, mean, I have to say, I have just loved seeing how your social media posts, your writing has evolved. And I remember, I think we were in the same room when mm-hmm. you were challenged to write about some of the things that are the most difficult to you. I remember that moment and which almost immediately or within a few weeks of you starting to really open yourself up online. And I know I saw today, it's your two year anniversary of being sober. Is that right? Today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like what an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Yeah. So, yeah. And no uh, one would know that if you hadn't started writing about that journey. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what, what a shift in my, in my thinking, you know, hiding everything I went through so deeply and carrying that around Mm -hmm. for so many years. And now as I'm releasing and letting that out of me, not only am I healing, but I see how inspiring that is for others to hear and going back to you, you know, the way you speak about your growths and, and sharing that openly on social media, your, your plans and your project is just, it's beautiful. So, you know, high five to both of us. You know what the storytelling thing, it's like no joke. Like I, 
one of the big things I did just a few, two months ago was right when all of this shelter in place started happening. Um, I had joined a friend of mine on stage at, at one of the small stages at second city to tell two stories, uh, very deeply personal stories that I was like still in the middle of like figuring out. But one of the stories was actually about me feeling like I didn't deserve to tell my story. And honestly, mm. that belief continues to come up. It It's like, like, like I think about your journey and I'm like, oh, well, Sammy has these incredible, you know, things that she has overcome and is deserving of writing about those. And like my mom, you know, had an extraordinarily difficult, abusive, you know, childhood with sort of alcoholism involved and, you know, separation mm-hmm. of families. And I was like, my mother deserves to tell her story, but she doesn't tell it to anybody. And, you know, I saw all these people who had overcome so much and one of my big things that I wrestle with is like privilege. And my mom fought so hard. I mean, both of my parents to give me the life that I had, which was a very privileged life. And because of that privilege, there's this sort of like, I don't, I don't deserve to tell my story because it, it's not, I haven't suffered. I haven't done enough. You know, all of those that just come and back and back and back. Mm-hmm. And it's only in the last few months that I've realized that to tell that story is to break it down and to stop being scared of it and to own it and, you know, to keep working at it. And that was hard getting up on stage and telling that, Oh my God, that was like the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life. And I like, I've done some, you know, like I face a lot of fears, right. But that was, I thought I was going to vomit for about eight weeks straight leading up to it. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, is I totally relate. I mean, the fear of like, literally you feel like you're just gonna, I don't know, want to go down on the ground and never, you know, come back because it's telling everything from within that honesty, that truth. I think people are so looking forward to hear is what connects us with one another. And I'm thinking if not for other people who have the courage and, and boldness to tell their story, I would probably would not be telling mine to this day. And you know, going through through the program and just seeing uh, people that are now in my community and my allies and my friends like yourself speaking about their journey is 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 a gift. And everyone has one. That's the thing. Yeah. Like storytelling is so important. It's holding one another what we're what we go through. And yeah. Well, and I love I love bringing it back thing. to you to like, you know, I'm in grad school right now, learning about a lot of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, Victor Frankel, I mean, he was a concentration camp survivor mm-hmm. and he, he talks mm-hmm. about this concept of sort of will to meaning, like we can create meaning in anything, including our suffering. Like if our suffering has meaning, then our life has meaning. But what I think was is so key to what he says is that suffering is suffering. He hated when people compared their suffering to his like, oh, well, you were a concentration camp survivor. You know, I can't possibly, you know, I haven't suffered like you have. He's like, no, suffering is suffering. It, it doesn't matter what causes it. There's no sort of, it, you feel it. You feel the suffering even, you know, no matter where it's coming from. And so whether you're a concentration camp survivor or, you know, a victim of abuse, or if you're, you know, someone who's just been really badly hurt in a relationship, like it's suffering is suffering. And I still have trouble wrapping my head around that. Um, But I'm starting to, as someone who felt like I could never really, like only, you know, only my mom was allowed to feel hurt, right? Like that's the story I told myself. I'm not allowed to feel hurt. So for me, it's like, no, I'm not allowed to think that I've suffered because I've so much... I've been given so much, right? But that doesn't mean I haven't. That doesn't mean I've never been hurt. That doesn't mean I don't have like deep wounds. Of course I do. We all do. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that. And speaking of Viktor Frankl, I almost borrowed a book last week from my aunt, The the Man's Search for Meaning. That's the book, right? But I took um, Unfettered 
soul instead. So I'm going to start that one soon. Wait, who's that one by? Um, That's, I have uh, Michael Singer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you told me about That's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Highly yeah. recommend um, Man's Search for Meaning too, though. It's especially the first, yeah. the first half. It's, it's, it's certainly on my list. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I relate, you know, it comes down to the comparison, you know, comparing my, my suffering with others. And I too, um, even sacrificed my, my, I don't know if that's the right term to say sacrifice myself, but you know, when it comes to mom, always thinking that I must carry hers because she's, she's older. She went through, through more and completely abandoning my own, uh, feelings and, um, just carrying a lot on my little shoulders for many years. And now that's shifting and it's, it's a gift. I mean, and, um, you know, it's something that I will eventually start talking about more because I, I see how many women and men, um, you know, have these enmeshed mm. and um, very twisted relationships with parents, just based on all the beliefs that we, we sit on for years and, we think this is how it should be and uh, it doesn't have to be, but it will like when I started to take more, um, more responsibility for, for going after my own yearnings and desires and what I want, it really helped my mom and those people around me to get to know me. Like who is this mm -hmm. person instead of constantly playing small, um, minimizing that does not help anyone at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I, and I hear, you, you know, that's, I think the, the sort of relationship with my mom and how that's grown and evolved. Like I, I have a lot of fear talking about that. And I, you know, it's not something I've I, with friends. Yes. You know, in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yes. But it's this constant fear that I'm going to hurt her, that like, I'm going to be the one to like push her over some edge that like my mother's like the strongest person in, the, that I've ever known. And yet somehow that my hurt, the thing that I do is going to be the thing that, you know, somehow, I don't know, destroys her. Yeah. I mean, it completely, it makes sense, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, those, that's the thing that I've yeah. been unwinding and that idea that like, no, I need to go to get my needs met. And sometimes that might hurt her. Yeah, I totally relate. And, and um, it makes me um, remember, you know, that just our domestication process, so to speak, you know, society, how you always put mm -hmm. others first. And, and this is something I'm currently learning. And I had a big conflict between you know the program we did together and shifting to my recovery and and diving into spirituality and all you know spirituality and and, um, and meditation and it's all about taking care of others first is, is you know reaching out the hand before myself whereas what I learn in emotional intelligence is like well my yearnings matter you know I must watch myself first um, so I I struggled and sometimes I still have a little conflict between two, but I'm just seeing how both of those concepts, myself and service are tying in together. And it's just like this beautiful yeah. dance um, happening. And, you know, there's a lot of surrendering had to happen for me to being able and to allowing myself and others to kind of, I don't know if I'm making sense to kind of join and, now service is a huge part of my my growth and, mm. and recovery because other caring for others is not only you know a huge joy for me but it's it's helping that other suffering too i so it's, uh, that it's really balance awesome. is actually really fascinating because i i agree with you i feel like in the program we did it was you know you had you know look into yourself like get your needs met you know very much about the individual which i think that we have to, if we've always served others and not ourselves, we don't even know what we need or want. And so there's this like learning process mm -hmm. of understanding that. But I have to say, I have seen like some people when, when they stick in just that, there's something about, you know, using your gifts in the service of others that I think is like extraordinarily magical mm -hmm. that ends up creating this snowball effect.
Like if you're just your most authentic you without, you know, being with, uh, you know, with others and you're not helping others with it and you're not kind of um, reaching out and engaging with others, then kind of like, what's the point? You end mm-hmm. up kind of in this introspection loop as opposed to like when you start to put yeah. it out into the world, it starts to snowball and you start to get more back. So like even I am the social media stuff. I have such like, I have such reactivity to like putting stuff out there. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like flowing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to put this out on social media. Like I have something to say to the world. And other times I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, it, there's, it's fear. Like, I don't know what's going to come back. There's fear, but the thing is, is when I do put myself out there authentically and like give and like be vulnerable, I get back. And then it fuels me to do more Mm -hmm. of that. And it fuels me to, you know, create things for people because I, I feel I'm getting my needs met in doing it versus service for the sake of service when you're not getting what you need met through it can be very depleting. So even like at the start of quarantine, I had this great idea. I was like, man, parents need help right now. Like, let me give like a daily activity that's fully formulated, that's easy to use, that like helps a parent sort of give something that our kids to do every single day. Great idea. I think it probably could have been really useful. I started to actually do it. And I was like, here I am once again on my computer, typing away, not engaging with anybody. Well, guess what feeds me? Engaging, being in community with people, right? Yeah, that could have been of service to the world, but it wasn't serving me doing it. And so then I pivoted into doing more workshop-related things that gave me what I needed, which was engagement, community, back and forth, and gave to other people too. But like, you know, sometimes we just do more and more and more of what we think people need without giving us what we need. And then it just is exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, just listening to you share, like there is that sweet spot when we serve and we get so much from that to ourselves. It's like I am reconnecting in a way with myself by serving others because there's so much I'm learning in the process of who I am and what matters to me. Um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to arrive at this point where it's both mm. ways, you know. I'm not going selfishly for my own wants and, and wanting to be seen as a performer because I think that's what I need to do to matter and, or vice versa, being a victim and like, oh, I must serve because this is how we'll, you know. It's like, yeah, it. Yeah, it's just kind of hitting me as I'm speaking to you, like, hey, like two and a half years yeah. later, like, I'm getting it. It's, you know, it's, it's beginning to be fun. Well, even the performer yeah. thing, like, I just notice myself performing so much more than I ever used to. And I, when I notice it, it's like, I know that it's going to take more energy if I'm performing than if I'm just being like the other day I got on a, we were having like a game night virtually with some friends and, you know, they're friends who are quite successful in like their traditional sense. You know, they're making really good money. Like they've got the big homes that, you know, they're doing all the things, having all the things. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's been an interesting journey these 18 months and I'm finally now actually making some money again, you know, do it and I'm feeling really good about it. But when one of them asked me like, oh, like, what are you up to? I, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I can put on the Chrissy performer mode or I can just like be with myself. And historically, I definitely would have gone into, oh my gosh, like everything's great. I have these things going on and blah, 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 whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'm doing really well. And today has been really hard because I feel like I've been on a roller coaster. I feel like I'm putting a lot out into the world and not getting a whole lot back. And it's scary. And I have to say that like, after saying that on this call, I just had so much more fun at game night. I felt like I was much more myself, just like blurting things out. Whereas I feel like if I had chosen in that moment to keep performing, I would have performed the whole rest of the evening. But 
kind of back in the day, I would have never even thought of myself as performing in that moment. Right. Like I did, wouldn't even have thought that that's what I was doing, but it is It's for sure what I was doing. So that consciousness yeah. is like so cool. And I got energy out of that evening instead of feeling kind of like, whew, man, I had to really like be on the whole time. No, I was just me. Yeah, love that. Um, so I want to go back to um, to your travels. And so you come back from a year of traveling around the world yeah. back to Chicago. And so what were your biggest learns? What what did you bring back as far as new visions, new new ideas? And how has your life been since you yeah. came back to States? I mean, I think my biggest learning is you, your shit goes with you wherever you go. Like, you know, like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> you might go travel yeah. the world, but that doesn't mean like the stuff doesn't follow you. And I'll give you an example. Like I, I our culture is a, is a constant scarcity of time. There's never enough time. Oh, I didn't have time to reach back out to you. Oh, I, you know, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Like we, it's, it's, it's it, like, that's what we live off of. Like we love it. It's like, oh my God. Well, ugh, I just, I didn't, I haven't taken vacation in three years, you know, all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. That, that mindset that there's a constant scarcity of time doesn't go away even when you have nothing but time, right? So we left and went to travel and my husband had planned the whole first month of our travels in New Zealand, like where we were going, what we were doing, what hikes, you know, where, what places where we were sleeping, et cetera. And we had time. We had time to explore. We had time to read. We had all this time, but it felt like this constant, are we spending our time in the right way? Are we getting enough done during this time? Have we seen enough in this location? You know, we went on a first, a very first hike of our trip. It was probably like two weeks in and it was a three day hike. So we could only take, we had to carry all of our own food in our backpack. And, um, we get to the first hut after, I don't know, let's say six hours of hiking. Oh, and it's four o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. We had six hours before it got dark. And we were literally like, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like, we didn't want to be on our phones, obviously, because we're in nature and it's beautiful. And like, you know, battery, you definitely want to make sure you have battery left. We had a, one Kindle between the two of us. And it, it was a wake-up call. Like, we were distraught at how to spend time. And it was only over the course of our travels that I started doing things like I would bring my notebook with me and my colored pencils everywhere and just start drawing. I would make like, um, I would be on a beach and we'd be like, well, we have an hour. So I would like make a piece of art on the beach, like a kid, right? Or like sit in the castle. Like when we think about how kids spend time, we are so in this like busyness. Mm -hmm. I mean, even kids these days, the parents are so overstructuring the kids. Kids don't know how to be bored. Kids don't know how to go spend time when they are not given something structured to do. And it's actually affecting kids in their adolescence. I've I've talked to a lot of like parenting experts and, and things right about this topic because of some of the things I started working on when I got back from my travels. And, you know, this brilliant site, a psychologist who runs this toddler center in New York was like, we are overstructuring our kids so much that they are, they don't know how to structure their time when they're teenagers and when they're going to college, they, they, they've lost this like executive functioning ability. So it's like really interesting how uncomfortable we are with boredom and being still. And it was probably only four months into our travels where finally I had figured out how I love to spend time. And the crazy thing was, is like coming back to Chicago after 10 months, how quickly I forgot everything I had learned and how quickly I got back into like the routine of like, well, get to work by 8.30. And I I was working for myself. I wasn't even going into work for anybody else. I happened to be going into a co-working space. It was like, be there from 8.30 to six and then come home. It's like, because everybody else was doing it and it's so easy to swim like all the other fishes. Right. And it took me another three months of being home in Chicago to be like, wait, no, 
What did you learn when you were traveling? How do you create flow for yourself? Guess what? It's not being in an office from 8.30 to 6. It's breaking up my day. It's doing yoga in the middle of the day or maybe meditating or doing some art. Not only am I more productive with like the core things I need to get done, done, I'm just enjoying everything much more. So I have more energy. I have more smiles. I have more love to give to the world because I just like, I'm enjoying. And I think coming, you know, to now quarantine time, it's been a roller coaster for sure. I am such a social person that I like want social interactions. So it's been like, well, how do I get some of these needs met? How do I get the flow that I need? being home all day when I can't get some of the social interactions that I would normally incorporate into my day. But really understanding what do I yearn for right now and going and getting that thing met, I mean, that's what's, that's what's gotten me through this time for sure. But it's been like this journey. The time thing is it doesn't leave you. And it's a constant having to choose there is an abundance of time and that it's all about how we are choosing to spend it and loving the time that we spend. But you know, that, that stuff doesn't go away just because you leave with nothing to do, (laughs) which I think has been the biggest learning of all of my travels. Uh, Yeah. And you know, um, and I'm thinking about, you forgot, you know, after some time when you came back and this reminds me of, you know, we, you, when it comes to me, it's like not, it's not like I'm going to take a course of a year of two or five years, fix myself and then just cruise down the line for the rest of my life all well. And, you know, the more I work on myself, the more I see how much work, because my life is getting bigger. So I need to work more, but in a, healthy way it's just like taking more conscious action not running around or busying myself and you know speaking of stillness whew, that's oh, so relate you know I I don't know what to do with it I don't know with what to do with myself because I hear my mind going in yeah. a million ways and I want to grab onto every idea I get and this month for me has been to noticing and kind of watching it leave me instead of Mm -hmm. jumping on everything and um yeah it's um it's a lifetime journey for me uh personally and i'm just so appreciative that it is like this (laughs) is so much fun now that i'm seeing the results and i'm getting to know myself um and there's so much so much ahead um as i'm i think i'm moving pretty slow and i i like that slowness i i love the the stillness that i'm developing uh the patience you know yeah um, so it's it, it's a cool thing yeah. I, I love um the extension of the growth so it's not just absolutely and that, that idea of um you know there's been I, I recently i heard several people quoted on this like business people right the idea that you slow down in order to speed up but i think like oftentimes we are such mm-hmm. in reactivity mode that we're constantly just reacting, 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 and not saying, wait a second, like, let me slow down and then speed up. And I feel like as I've especially been in quarantine, like that's the rhythm. It's been, it's actually, if you think about a roller coaster, right? Like it goes, you, you get to the top, you go very, very slowly up to the top of the, the drop. Yeah. Right. And like, And then you drop and it's like speed and you're like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm flowing. Everything is great. Like, oh my God, look at how much I'm producing. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let me slow down again. (laughs) And I think I never really like noticed that there was a rhythm to it, but that rhythm is actually really cool. Uh And it's like just embracing it is kind of new for me. And it sounds like even new for you too. Yeah, absolutely. I love the newness. I just like the more I work in myself, the more I'm becoming comfortable mm-hmm. being uncomfortable and not knowing where the hell it's going to lead me. Not that I really, it matters. It doesn't really. Um, and when I see that 
you know, when I take action without too much expectation of mm-hmm. what will come out of it, um, it's, it's, it's a very cool thing. It's like joining the, the flow of life for myself and seeing where will it lead me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. Been, well, it's, it's, it sounds like, you know, you're doing something that I have also been doing this year. My whole vision for this year has been to live my gifts. And what that means is mm-hmm. like doing more of the things I love and then eventually like seeing the abundance that comes from that. And it sounds like you're kind of doing that too, experimenting and, and leaning into those gifts and paying attention to what those are and doing more of that. Totally. Experiment is yeah. like the word of the day for me because what do I have to lose? You know, yeah. why not? Let's have some fun. You know, historically I've been so serious and everything must be the way it, it shall be. And because what will others think and everything was done because of other people's opinions. And I'm like, well, time to you know, switch it I up. love that experimentation. <laughs> and, yeah. Like that's actually a mindset that my husband and I really cultivated over the travels. It was like, when even when he came back for this job opportunity, he was like, you know what? It aligns with all of my visions and it's an experiment. And like everything we've done since travel, we've just thought of as an experiment. We're like, okay, you know, Chrissy, I'm going to start working on my company for a few months. Let's give it till February. Like that's an experiment. And then in February we'll decide, you know, do I move forward with it or not? He is giving his, he's looking at his job as an experiment. Is the public sector something that he's going to continue in? Um, as opposed to this like feeling that, well, I've now made the choice. Now I'm stuck here, right? There's this, something like really liberating about treating the different things in your life as an oh. experiment. Wow, that's super cool. I love that. Yeah. Taking more risks and not being afraid whatever, whatever will come out out of it. Like, let's just check it out. Let's do something different than what we have been doing yeah. for, for, you know, for decades. Uh, take a different road to, to, to your job, not the same you yeah. know, street every time. Just yeah. little things, start with little things. Um, so you mentioned you're working on, on a business. Can I ask what, what is that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this has been a journey in and of itself of kind of coming back to like, what do I want to do? What do I love to do? What gives me energy? Because I started working on a project, a business idea when I got back from my travels around teaching parents and children mindfulness together through going on these like weekly growth adventures. And I love the idea. I still love the idea. And I will probably, you know, continue to work on it at some point. But I once again started to realize that I was putting all of my energy and time into things I didn't enjoy doing. So, you know, fast forward a, a few months we're in quarantine. I'm like in grad school and we had to do a workshop. Now you remember me saying like back in Serbia and Albania and all these places, I was doing these workshops and I was loving it. I was realizing not only am I good at this, but I want to continue to get better at it. And it's something that like, I love having the deadline of like, well, I got to get this workshop done by Tuesday because I'm delivering it. Like I'm going to do it as opposed to just putting content out into the world and being like, well, maybe someone's going to react to it or maybe not. So I had to do one for grad school and all the women, there were 12 women who joined and they were all like, wait, we want more. So then I was like, okay, I loved doing it. They loved, you know, being part of it. Let me pull together a four week pilot of a workshop around getting out of your own way for women to take up more space. Um, know what they want, go for what they want. I mean, we need more women taking up space than ever before. I mean, look at the way some of our countries are being run right now by, by you know, the men leading them. It like drives me insane. And mm-hmm. we need more women making decisions. We need more women speaking their voices. Like it just needs to happen. And this has been my journey of finding my voice. And so I'm kind of taking a lot of the things I have learned, putting my own spin on it, using a lot of the research and neuroscience that I'm learning in grad school. And I've pulled it all together into now a five-week workshop series for women around getting out of your own way. So we look a little bit at, you know, what is power? 
what are feelings? Um, how do we, how are we in the world consciously and unconsciously? How do we shift more towards consciousness? How does neuroscience play into all of this? And how do we rewire our brains by shifting towards conscious consciousness and going for our empowering beliefs after we've understood what our mistaken beliefs are? How do we rewrite the stories that we tell ourselves? And it's been, it's like finally all of like my life things that I've done, going to business school, traveling, going, you know, doing this program, this year of more program, now being in grad school, it's like all coming together in these workshop series. And this is only the first one. I have so many more ideas in my head. Um, so it's sort of like a workshop meets group coaching for women. I'm trying to do between like five and eight women per program because it's like, that's like, a, I think that's like a sweet spot. Um, and I'm, and I just want to do more of it. I just want to do more of it. It brings me so much joy. I can see how the women are growing and changing in just like a, a few weeks of, of these workshops. And you know, I'm doing some individual coaching too, but I really prefer the group format and I don't know where it's all going to go. Uh, but I'm really pumped to just keep, keep, keep pushing it, keep visioning, keep doing more and more of it. I love it. And my heart is just filled with joy seeing, you know, how we, you and I even digging, for example, how we're stepping out of the comfort zone and, and where I am in my life, I see so many young people speaking up, doing things they like and, and encouraging others. Let's call, let's do this. Let's awaken. Like life is beautiful. We don't have to live the way we don't want to live it, you know, and it's such a gift. What a, what a great time yeah. to, to live. And in. also um, scary. Like, let's like pause I, I for love- a minute. It's freaking scary as shit. Like, Like I feel I have come up against all of like my own stories that I tell myself over and over and over again during this process. I mean, I have all kinds of stories about, well, the things that I bring to the world, my gifts, people don't value them. People will never pay me money for them. Like all of this stuff or like, if I do this, if I put this out in the world, I am way too much. Right. And so Every single day of working on this stuff is me facing all of those fears and being like, well, you know what? This is what I want more of. So I'm just going to keep doing it. But it doesn't mean it's, it's easy. It's been, I mean, talk about growth adventure. Yeah. It's been super growthful. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's very contagious. One, once I'm start, I'm starting to see the results mm-hmm. and how I'm shifting. I'm like I'm hooked. I'm on it. I'm not exactly. going back. It is Hell contagious. No. I love that. I like yeah, to call it amazing. like a snowball too. Like when you're doing it, that I'm doing more of it. When I'm doing yeah. more of it, the people around me start paying attention and doing it, and all of a sudden we're all snowballing down like a gigantic hill together. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we have a couple minutes left and um, I want to end on a note, you know, I, I wrote down uh, something you wrote under your mm-hmm. video on social media. And it's like, to me, this is a sign when you can describe yourself, who you are, who you want to be and what you want for yourself, which was historically very hard for myself to do. I could tell you all that I'm not and all what I don't want. But if there's a question, so who, what do you want? What are your, you know, positive values or whatnot? So I'm going to read what you wrote. This is how I see myself and want others to see me like a bird spreading the wings and taking a flight free, uninhibited, colorful and bold. And that is the definition I would hand somebody if someone Mm -hmm. asked me, so who is Chrissy? And you are this beautiful, colorful soul. And you're, girl, you're, you're just <laughs> at the beginning of your, you know, adventures. And you're... Oh, thank you. So I, I was like, you. oh, my God, I yeah. wrote that? <laughs> I remember that. I know exactly what post you're talking about. Yeah. It's the one where I have, like, that scarf that mm-hmm. I look like a bird in it. Oh, oh my God, I want that. Yep, I do still do. want that. It. Oh, my God, I think I posted that a year ago, and I still want that so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's happening. I see it in you. So it's it's beautiful. And um, thank you for what you do. Thank you for joining me today. And thank you for being yourself, like unapologetically. Thank you. you. And thank you, you, you. Girl. For the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Hey, it's me again. If you like this podcast and you're moved by it and it helped you and it resonates with you, then subscribe and leave me a nice review. It means so much to me. And more importantly, it helps other people to find this podcast. Thank you.